Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason, and we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Mm. Oh yeah, big trouble, like In? the like the like the Simpsons song, or the movie with T- Tim Allen. Or the movie with Tim Allen, yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah. that had to get bumped to two thousand two because of nine eleven, because it featured a scene it. where somebody t- carries a bomb onto a plane. Yeah, that was a movie. It was hey, a film, everybody. Dave. It was a motion picture. Hello, everyone. My name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman, and we just watched Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. 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 1986 John Carpenter action fantasy comedy film starring Kurt Russell it's the best there is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery what's going on here is some kind of magic the darkest magic they call it little China finally we shall bring order out of it's where big trouble was waiting for jack burton who jack burton me jack 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 they told him to go to hell we make one move and that's just where he's going it man Uh. this All right, I've well, got a lot uh, to let's say. Start, yeah, <laughs> let's start by thanking our our Patreon producer Vincent. Thank you, Vincent. Vincent the Vampire. Thank you so much. Uh, Vincent gave us a, basically a list to choose from, and th- th- this is uh, you know, this is what we this chose. This is one of them. Yeah. Off that so list, if listen, this is if you give us a big list, and one of the films on the list is a John Carpenter film, we're gonna pick the John Carpenter film. Of course, we are. Yeah. Uh, it had been a minute since I had seen this, this is, film. Yeah, this is one that I don't rewatch a lot. So I always forget a lot of the details. Like, I remember the main beats, but I always forget a lot of the details. It's not Same like, here. It's not like The Thing or Halloween or Escape from New York that I rewatch, like, constantly. I constantly forget about the opening. And I know why, because they don't, it doesn't bookend the movie. No, uh, it doesn't bookend the movie just, at all. It's a really weird way to introduce the, well, I guess it's not really weird. It's. It's John Carpenter letting you know right away that this is fantasy magic in a modern world, basically. Yeah, it's Deep Throat. Uh, it is. It lawyer. sure is. Jerry Harden. <laughs> yeah. Talking to uh, uh, the, the shopkeeper from Tremors. <laughs> yep. And then he uh, is like, you have to believe in magic to be my lawyer. And then he does magic. And it's like, man, what a weird lawyer client meeting that right because it's like been. it's it's referring to past events like they're like the scene starts and it's right. like where, where do you know about jack burton who's kurt russell's character he's like well to tell you the story about jack burton i've got to make sure you believe in magic so it, it opens like a bookend but you're right it doesn't bookend it the never, film <laughs> they don't it, go yeah, back because, to the scene 
and Jack Burton never gets arrested or anything. No, like so why I, would they I, be I, looking for Jack Burton? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> I love the idea that it bookends and he's like, well, that's a very fine story, but we're talking about how Jack Burton shot a truck stop waitress. Like it's a completely unrelated right, uh, unrelated crime. crime yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's very weird. This movie, my big note of this movie. Uh, first of all, if people haven't seen Big Trouble in Little China, it's a classic John T- Carpenter film. You know, go see it. Uh, yeah, it's out um, now. It is uh, gleefully weird. Yeah, one of the and weirdest films note, I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, my big note is this entire movie is dream logic. Yes, from beginning to yep, end. Yep, nothing that that is both one of my. Uh, well, first of all, how do you like this movie, Dave? I oh I this movie is grand. I love it. It's hard because like John Carpenter, it's like asking me how much like if uh, like how I like I don't know Hook, where it's like oh I love Hook. Is it my favorite Spielberg film? No, 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 it isn't. Is it uh, is it even a good movie? Not really. But <laughs> <laughs> I would I would argue yeah it's hard with this movie because I think this movie is good in that. It set out to do something, and I feel like it accomplished I think, it. I, I don't know is, the behind the scenes. Yeah, I think this is a much more successful film uh, in terms of being successful as a movie, not making money, uh, than Hook is. Um, yeah. But I, I also uh, really like this movie, but it is really, really weird. And what, what I was, I was going to piggyback on what you said about Dream Logic, I think that's both the movie's biggest detriment, biggest criticism, and also kind of its biggest strength yeah. is that it doesn't really, it's not that cohesive. It's just a series of, and then this happens, but it's done so earnestly and with so much fun. And like, none of the, you you like all the characters and none of them are ever really in trouble, which is usually a problem for an action movie, but not in this movie because you don't, you're not, this movie lets you know that it's not going to be that kind of movie. Like nobody's like, nobody's going to get killed. Like you're not going to feel sad. It's just a bunch of friends on a fucking, fantasy adventure in chinatown in san francisco um it's not yeah yeah, it's it's not just that everything it's just constantly or or, well it is it's the fact that like you said it just things just keep happening one after another and they they and somebody has to breathlessly explain what each thing means and then after after it happens which felt like dream logic where it's like in a dream you something happens and then your brain justifies it also the geography the sets Geography is are really fucking weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so it's another, it's another dream thing where it's like, oh yeah, it's like, it's like this scaffolding that goes across and then there's like a jail and then we all dive into like a pool that and it's like a regular swimming pool, but then the, it goes out yeah. into the sewer I th- and it's like, what the fuck? I you think know, that's, like, there's the two, th- here's what I'll say to both those points. Um, I think the intent here because John Carpenter is typically a guy that has a lot of intent. Like, he doesn't do things randomly or for no reason. Yeah. Um, I think the intent for introducing just huge ideas and then having somebody really quickly explain it after we've already seen this huge, incredible thing is meant to keep us as bewildered as Jack Burton is the entire movie. Because Jack Burton... He's not. Yes. He's not even the main. He's not even the protagonist. Like obviously, he's the headlining actor because he's Kurt Russell. He's the most famous person in this film at the time. But he's not the hero. He's not the protagonist. He's like the audience's character. He's the in. Like yes. he's the audience's proxy. So he's constantly like, "What the hell is happening?" <laughs> yeah, and like, I what he represents is interesting to me because first of all, 
it starts so it starts with him well hang on let me finish uh, let me finish because oh, I, I feel like i know what yeah, point on. you're going to go off on and that's a bigger discussion so um the second point i wanted to make is i think the geography of it is similar to the way that the geography in the shining doesn't make sense like i think that's on purpose because it's supposed to be this secret underground magical world yes it's a fantasy yeah so i think that's on purpose oh no yeah john carpenter usually purpose john carpenter usually does not like watch halloween or especially halloween but watch like halloween or the thing or any of his other movies like the geography is is really tight and very clear so i think it must be deliberate here yes one of his biggest talents and he doesn't do this in every movie but like i i would say this and um they live are the two that it pops up to me is that He's funny in a way that you can't tell if he knows he's being funny. And I'm almost certain he knows he's being funny. They live, obviously, that fight scene. Yeah. Where you're like, do you know what you're doing here? Do you understand this is, this is hilarious? Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of the um, Verhoeven effect. Yeah. Where like, he knows, but you even when he knows, you're not even sure how much he knows or what the idea. Where he like, he just knows weird. And so, like, he is, then, but you see his other films, like, done the thing, earnestly. and you're like, he knows, yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing right. at all the, times. The thing, is, the thing is, like, deadly serious. But this, yeah, this movie is, I think he knows. And this movie is just very, it's very earnest, but it's never winking at the camera about it. Right. And I do think John Carpenter does have fun sometimes where mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not taking this completely seriously. Uh, this isn't Halloween or the thing where I'm like, really fucking, this is like, I'm, I'm having fun in this movie. Yeah. And if it doesn't all add up, that's sort of part of the fun because that's the movie he's making, uh, which is, yeah, like this fantasy adventure starring uh, uh, Kurt Russell just playing... The, just being the, Kurt Russell, the dumbest white guy, which I think was yeah. the tirade you were about to go on. No, not tirade, yeah, but discussion sort of. you were well, about to have. There's some things they, yeah. There's there's a there's some intent here that I yeah we should dissect, which is that starts with him as a trucker. He's an all American Trump trucker, and I'm almost certain he's doing John Wayne, like a it's, little bit. It's hard to. He's definitely leaning into his drawl, but like Kurt Russell, yeah. obviously, famously does a very good John Wayne impression. And part of it is because his speaking voice just kind of sounds like John Wayne. Yes. Just from where he's from. Uh, but you can definitely tell in this movie he's leaning into the drawl a little bit to be more of like an all-American kind of truck driver character. Right. And he loves his truck. Yeah. The uh, Pork Chop Express. Yeah. <laughs> it says haul an ass on the front with a little naked lady decal. And there's God this constant like <laughs> patriotic tinge to the movie where uh, everybody's very patriotic. Um, and and he is he's just friends with people in Chinatown, and so he goes to San Francisco Chinatown, um, uh, and he uh, meets up with his friend, and his friend's gonna pick a girl up at the airport, and he's and well they he owes him money because they do like this weird gambling. Yeah, they're up all um, night playing betting on cards and dominoes and stuff, and then at the end of the night, Jack Burton's won everybody's money, and his friend yeah. Wang is like, okay, double or nothing, I can cut this bottle in half with this knife. Yep, and he fails to, and Kurt Russell, with his really good reflexes, catches the bottle as it flings towards him. Important to note. Yeah. Uh, and then he's like, that, we that need, a, I need to pick a, up... That is a seed that's being planted, it believe is. it or not. It's great. 
Uh, and they're like, let's go to the airport to pick up this woman in a big rig. And I was like, there's so many problems with that. For one, not the best first impression for this woman. Uh, just not. For two, I would never drive a big rig to the airport. No, that's that's a nightmare. It's a yeah. nightmare. But it's very clear that the big rig is an extension of him. And the point sort of, I don't know if it's the point, but it's a very inconvenient thing to have it's big uh, it's loud it's unwieldy it's it's all of the things that jack burton is exactly it represents all him. of the things that a traditional american action hero is and the, the whole yeah. idea is that jack burton is almost useless in this movie yeah he's like america machismo like that's mm-hmm. the idea is he's like a big tough guy american and he has inserted himself and his giant fucking truck into this. Yeah. And all he wants at the end is to get his fucking truck. Get his truck. thousand bucks and his truck. He wants to get the truck back and his thousand dollars from from Wang that he won in the bet. It's this, it's this weird thing where like John Carpenter does this. I, I got this feeling from uh, Escape from New York as well, which is Snake Plissken is a parody. Like he feels like a parody. He's got a fucking eye patch. He's like the, what a, a teenage boy thinks is cool you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh where like we love him he's awesome but also he's kind of over the top right he's yeah there's a there's a different intent behind that character because he's supposed to also be like sticking it to the man yes um, yes for sure so he's he's less of a all-american figure but i i, I agree with you i think that the same thinking created Jack Burton as like this parody of action heroes. Almost. Yeah. He's so Jack Burton over the top. Yeah. Jack Burton and snake Plissken would hate each other. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's great about it. Yeah. But Jack, Jack, yeah, that's Jack the... Burton represents everything snake Plissken hates. <laughs> so... yeah. But they're both, they both feel like parodies in a yeah. way. They both feel like over the top. And it's weird because like, it's this weird, uh, awesome, like with Snake Plissken more, and I, this isn't a podcast about that, but it just reminds me of it, is like, you also are rooting for them, and they're also kind of awesome, but they're also kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and in this, it's a lot more clear that Jack Burton is not, he, we, we don't hate him, but he's not useful. He's, like I said, he is almost useless. Yeah. He, he does virtually nothing. Uh, to help anyone or move the plot forward. It's all Wang doing... Like, the movie's about Wang. Yeah, and um, it is, makes sense because, spoilers, he does end up... Jack Burton does up beating the bad guy, and I think that's on purpose, which is, like, again, the idea of this, like, this person... Because they all worship him, and it's like he doesn't do any of the work except for the one final thing. Right, Everybody that is, carries him. Right, there, it's like basically. throughout the movie, every character, it's, it's, it's like the Simpsons joke with Homer, where Homer's like, every time Poochie's not on screen, all the other characters should be asking, where's Poochie? And they do yeah. that in this movie, where anytime Jack is not on screen, all the other characters are just like desperate to find Jack. And when Jack yeah. shows up, they're like, oh, Jack, thank God. Yeah, Jack is here. It's going to be all right. And he doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's there's got to be an observation being made here about the fact that it's yes Chinatown. It's a it's part of America that is is like you know considered like uh, the others and stuff like that. And yeah. he has inserted himself into it, and he's the big hero man. Uh, and and that idea of like they're they're all like yes, bless the stars and stripes as well. And it's that feeling of like patriotism, blind patriotism, which John Carpenter, of course, does not like. No. Uh, if you know anything about him, yeah. 
So I think it's about that idea of like, you're expected to love America, even when America has like not done anything for you. Right. And to the point where it's, you have your own sort of fenced off, not literally fenced off, but community where your culture is allowed to exist in Chinatown. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's also the idea that of like Western influences forcing its way into other cultures. Yeah. Right. Sure. Cause it's like, he's this, he's the prototypical American action hero and he forces his way into this Chinese story and is fucking useless from top to bottom. Right. When he gets but it is there. also, yeah, it is important that all the Chinese characters are very welcoming and warm. Yeah, no, they, like I said, every time he's yeah. not on screen, every character's like, where's Jack? And then Jack's just and like, yeah, Jack's yeah. here. I think it's the idea of talking about things like immigration in Chinatown where it's like, yeah, these, they don't hate America. They're in America. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's just that we, yeah, we tend to, like insert ourselves on them mm-hmm. uh and they're expected to be like oh it's so great and like they will like that is an earnest feeling in this is like they're not like oh we better include jack burton it's like no they like jack burton yeah they <laughs> really jack want burton jack to come along. but he yeah. forces his way in there and i think yeah, absolutely this might this might be um it's definitely related um, but like, I think there's a more subversive level, which might be given John Carpenter too much credit. I don't know if he was that thoughtful about this, but it's definitely in the same ballpark where um, it is lampooning American action movies. Um, oh, shit. I lost my train of thought. But basically, it's like making fun of the way that. Uh, uh, Western movies like try to westernize everything. Right. I mean, like it's um, like this feels like like Jack Burton feels like a studio note, right? Like it feels like because the movie is clearly about Wang. It's about him trying to get his fiance back and doing battle with this ancient menace, James Hong, fucking killing it in this movie. Is David Lopez? James Hong is love James Hong. Um, but uh, is this, you know, centuries old curse, it, 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 you know, it's a, a part of a Chinese folklore. Um, so it's like it has it's all about Wang it has nothing to do with Jack Burton. But he feels like an, an add on, like somebody came in and said, well, Americans won't watch a movie if there's no Americans in it. We got to put an American. Yeah. In it. So this movie feels like a studio note. And it feels like if if that was his intent, it's very, very subversive and very subtle. But yes. you can make that reading of this film because it's in the same ballpark as all the other stuff we were talking about. It's just a little more subtle, a little more subversive. And it might it's be giving again, John Carpenter too much credit, but it's definitely like I he was definitely thinking about that when he did. Yeah. This. I, again, so going back to like, so when, when, um, God damn it. He did, I just did, I just did a series about his movies. Blood Rain. Who am I thinking of? Oh, uh, uh, Uwe Boll. Uwe Boll, when Uwe Boll does something in a movie, you can almost guarantee that he doesn't know he's doing it. Um, <laughs> like something you, it's, that it's, could you be... can always identify what his intent was and what he's actually saying, and they're never the yes, same thing. And what he's failing at. <laughs> yeah. Um, with John Carpenter, it, it, what it is is that so in this in a vacuum, you'd watch this movie and be like, I can't tell if this movie knows what it's doing. Yeah. But the fact that it's John Carpenter and he is a very thoughtful filmmaker. Um, very counterculture too 
exactly he's a he's a big libertarian type mm-hmm. uh he's a he he's a re- yeah he's very rebellious you know that like he went into this movie with intent and sometimes he's loud i would say they live is a very loud they, movie they live screams in your face yeah yeah so he's not always about subtlety and in fact i i think there's a case for like people probably look into it a little more i'm always think about like I remember there was an interview with Tarantino. I believe it was this with Pulp Fiction. And they were like, what it was in that briefcase? Was it his soul? What? And he was like, oh, diamonds. I thought that was clear. Where you're like, oh, there's, it's, it's, there's, well, there wasn't anything to this. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, where, it, the, the, it doesn't matter what's in the briefcase. It's it the also thing. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, yeah, no, it's, they're shiny diamonds. They're like reflective. But like the point being that it's like, no, it's not anything special. Uh, so, like, I think John Carpenter, there is a risk of owner, over-analyzing John Carpenter, for sure. But, like, I, I guess what I was getting at is I think he is trying to say a lot with Jack Burton. Because there's also a level of the way... And this is another thing where, like, in another movie, this would just happen. And we would laugh at the movie for it. But I'm almost certain he's doing this on purpose. Which is Jack Burton's relationship with the wo- the woman character whose name... I forget. Law. Gracie Law. Law. Gracie Law. Gracie Law. She's a lawyer. that name... Yeah. (laughs) Right away, Gracie Law, the lawyer, you should know, like, okay, he's... It's kind of, I mean, fun. like, yeah, you, you look at the, the the way the movie's paced and kind of what happens in it. You look at the poster and stuff. It's kind of a little bit like an old school, like, pulp serial, almost. Yeah. Anyway. But, like, he meets Gracie Law at the airport, who they just run into, um, and she, he hits on her, and she basically says, you reek of beer. <laughs> yeah. You are disgusting. So she says, and he you, just, see, you should stand downwind from me. I can smell that it's Miller time, is basically what she yeah. says to him. And he is, he is a fucking mess. Yeah. Like, Jack Burton is not a man. Like, that's, uh, that's, they're doing the thing where she's like, I'm Gracie Law, the lawyer. I'm uptight, and I have a whole career ahead of me. And guess what happens between them? They, like they have a romance and it is the most unearned romance ever. Yeah. Like well, at one not, point I, I they wanna, just kiss. I do want to push back against that a little bit. She's really she really isn't portrayed as being uptight. That's true. But she's like just, they're she's just more glamorous, I guess, than Jack Burton is. So uh, yeah. because she's Kim Cattrall, so she just is glamorous. She sure is. Yeah. Um but yeah. But anyway. it's un- unearned. Yeah. Like he of course, literally of I course think it is. he just he just grabs her and kisses her at one point and it's like and they're in a relationship and then it ends with her basically being like any chance you can settle down and he's like nah and then there's like you're not even gonna kiss her goodbye and he's like no and leaves so like he basically is like it it would have been fun kid but i gotta go and it's it's not only unearned relationship but at the end she's like a puddle in his hands and like he must know that that's they're doing that on purpose like again, other films would do that unironically. This feels like they know that Jack Burton, as we're saying, it's about this guy not earning any of the fucking praise and rewards he gets. And there's some parts that really make it clear, like when he shoots the fucking when ceiling, he shoots and, the knocks ceiling and knocks out. himself out. That's the mo- one of the most clear. Uh, the, also, when he tries to get Thunder, one of the three Storm Lords. Um, he, yep. he tries to jump thunder and he beats his ass and Wang has to help him. And then he gets a knife to his neck again and they get out of the cell and he's like, well, what do I do now? It's like, well, I don't know. Uh, and he ends up in back in the wheelchair and falls backwards down the stairs yep. and almost falls into a pit. 
and takes out two people and they're like good job Jack. yeah yeah great job uh, Jack. but yeah, yeah it's the it's shooting the... shooting the ceiling is the clearest moment of like oh he's a he's a clown like he doesn't do yeah. he gets beat up immediately at the airport when he's trying to prevent the kidnapping um he just gets his ass kicked until the very end of this movie when he stabs Lopan in the head and that's the only thing he right. does what's interesting is it's not entirely they don't call that much attention to it like there's a couple moments that they do but again like i feel like there are 80s action movies where the hero doesn't do shit and the movie doesn't even realize it right you know what i mean yes uh where like that like that is a common that was a common issue i actually think it's not that common it's more like a seagal movie where he just walks through everything. I think that's more right. common than to actually have a movie where the hero doesn't do anything. That's you're right. That's a tough mistake to make because no, you, you right. want to always make the hero look cool. You're right. What it is. I think what it is a reflection of actually is exactly Seagal, which is like, you take this like white guy who's like not entirely in shape and you, you have a bunch of really oh, good stuntmen around him. Push back on that. Kurt Russell's in amazing shape in this movie. No, no, no I'm, not, I'm not saying that about okay. S- Kurt Russell. I'm saying that about Seagal, especially modern Seagal. Yeah. The idea of like the fake action hero, which is that yeah. the idea that you get this fake like tough guy. all-American guy or a giant Austrian, apparently, um, you get a representation of America, uh, be it an Austrian ma- named like Tim or... Uh, or like, right, yeah, but he's, uh, a, he's a, uh, Arnold's a muscle bound <laughs> dude that shoots every gun and, you know, drives yeah. a big truck. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, um, Ameri- um, yeah. American machismo. A representation of America. Even though yeah. he's Austrian as fuck. But yes. And then they don't actually, like a lot of the time, at least from this era, people like Stallone and stuff, they didn't actually know how to like fight really. They just had stunt people doing the work and you have a lot of like really good stunt people around them. And very often would the villains be like like the yakuza or something like that did you it would be speaking of that did you notice that shang sung was one of the gang members oh fuck carrie Hiroyuki tagawa is one of the gang members yeah that's so good actual and yes and basically they these action movies rig the game to make this representation be the the best person right yeah that is yeah and i think that is what they're doing is it's like every they're showing the idea that everybody he's so out of his element and everybody's moving around him like making it work so that he's the hero essentially yeah uh and that that is yeah i think that's a big part of this including the love interest where everything is it's almost like it's like he, like you could you could argue he's like a millionaire role playing, like this is all just like people entertaining him. Yeah, uh, like that's what it feels like. He's larping as an action hero, and everybody has to like pick up the slack around. Right, this him. is an experience that he paid money for, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's coupled with the fucking dream logic of this movie. Yeah. Because we haven't really talked about that. So, like, he, he picks... The, the woman gets... Oh, real quick, though. I want to I wanna pause and go back to that idea of the, the uh, prototypical um, American hero and, and doing everything they can to make him look cool. There is a yeah. f- really funny joke in this movie that also kind of serves that theme where it's after they knock the guard out. It's him and Wang and Eddie, the, the Mater D, who ends up going on the adventure with them. And they get yeah. three guns, right? They get the the little Uzi that 
Kurt Russell's holding on the poster. They get a shotgun and they get a little snub-nosed revolver. And it starts out with like, uh, Kurt Russell's like, uh, I don't want this gun. He trades, he he makes Wang trade him the snub nose for the machine gun. And then right. Wang very quietly makes Eddie trade him the snub nose for the shotgun. <laughs> so it's like they recognize the rules of action movies where the, the hero has to have the biggest gun, but they're yeah, still... And then the other guy has the next biggest. Right, but they're st- like yeah. Wang still like understands like, I need a cooler gun than a snub nose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that moment too. Yeah, it's yeah. a, fun, it's a funny that's... moment. The guns in general involved because like everybody's doing like everybody's doing like karate and shit and magic and, magic, and yeah. it's very funny that he even has a gun. The gun doesn't do much. Like I it think doesn't. I think it he only some. takes out like one or two people with it and then knocks himself out with it. But really, the gun doesn't do anything. Yeah, um, which I think is important. Well, maybe not important, but it it does perhaps accidentally serve the theme as well, where it's like the traditional. Uh, iconography of american heroes uh it winds up being kind of useless right and again it's it's within this like fantasy action which is not i, I that's the only thing is like i don't feel like this movie is parroting a specific style of movie and that's what makes it i think throws or what it it throws people off because it's got like like there's a fucking langolier in this. There's a, like an eyeball. It's a beholder. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a beholder. And so like, it's very interesting that the the it's not like some drug deal in tri- Chinatown. It's like a magical fucking curse yeah. that they're breaking. And it's like what a weird direction to go into it. And then the sets, and I do think the sets are. So I think. At least the last set is supposed to be doing this idea of America inserting itself. Because the last set is like this temple, but it's Vegas. It's like neon lights and escalators. It's a mall. Yeah. And so like that's a pretty big visual indication of what they're trying to say, right? Yeah. Which is like Americanizing this like this like ancient Chinese magic. Yeah. Um, very, I, I mentioned Shang Tsung, Carrie Hiroki Takawa is in this movie. Uh, yeah. Very Mortal Kombat, this movie. Like, obviously, mm. Mortal Kombat drew a lot of inspiration from this. Like, the, one of the Storm Lords, the lightning guy, looks almost exactly like Raiden. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, there's like three Raidens yeah, in this. Yeah, there's three Raidens, but the one guy that uses lightning, like, is especially like, oh, that's just fucking Raiden. Yeah, he's um, a Raiden. And obviously, Lopan looks like Shang Tsung does in the first game. So right. there's, there, I, I, I don't know. I just felt like pointing that out. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> Mortal a big Kombat part of this. Clearly borrowed a lot from this movie and a lot from enter the dragon. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. As in, they did, they did that on purpose, the, uh, right? Yeah. They did it on purpose that's the for, whole point. for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. It's just, I wanted to point that out for anybody who maybe didn't know that. For sure. Um, just going to the dream logic again. So like, yeah, they, the lady gets kidnapped. They bring bring the rig into Chinatown. There's a gang war. Suddenly, uh, the Raidens show up. Um, it's such a weird They're escalation. Yeah, and then Lopan yeah. shows up, and Burton drives his truck over him, but he springs back up, and he's like seven yeah. feet tall. And then they just go to this guy's house, and like it's all being explained after the fact, of course. And then it's like we have to go buy this woman back. She has green eyes, so it's gonna be extra. She gets kidnapped. Um, 
And when it really starts getting weird, I think, is once they f- break into the place and they do the, like, they take an elevator and the elevator goes down and then, like, floods. Yep. And it's like, what is happening? And then they also, there's they, a couple, every time somebody rides the elevator, one character mentions that they can't tell if they're going up or down. Yeah, which also feels like a dream. Mm-hmm. Like, that idea of not being able to read. It's crossing uh, into this world, right? Because up top, it's just this normal business or whatever. But when they step into the elevator, they're crossing into the magical world. So it's like... Right. And you're right. It is like The Shining where it's all supposed to kind of... Uh, and I, I More movies need to do this when doing like a bizarre or surreal world, which is like, fuck with the geography. You right, know, have it, fun it's, with it's it. It's a way to upset people without them noticing it well i mean they know it but they don't cognitively know it i I guess or consciously know it and again there's this element of him kind of being like led through it all um and not really like it's i i don't know this is where it's like i don't know if i'm looking too much into it which is the idea of like action movies in general being sort of we're just getting to one set piece to the another end anyway and it doesn't really matter um I don't know how much of that is like a commentary on that or is John Carpenter just trying to show a fantasy, but it's not the kind of fantasy you'd expect. Cause again, it's like an elevator filling up and then they're in a, like a, a gore pool. And then like when they break everybody out, it's not like a fantasy jail. It's like this weird, it's very John Carpenter where it's like this weird scaffolding where it almost feels like you're outside of buildings but you're not quite. And I guess the idea is like, this is all existing in the infrastructure below the city. So nothing right, is like cages in this, in a cave basically. Yeah. Or like in a, like a sewer mm-hmm. area. And I love that combination of like, when they first go through the sewer, um, later under Chinatown, it's like a fantasy, you know, like it's like mossy and like kind of beautiful. And there's like weird bugs. <laughs> yeah the creatures are so fucking weird there's a this. random monster in this movie there's a monster in this movie Dave. she gets kidnapped by that monster and then the monster uh, ends up working for him and then at the end the monster the monster shows up on the pork shop express <laughs> yeah and it's like why it's such a weird ending <laughs> the ending is bizarre because he he just leaves and it's been like a day and a half and he's just like well i'm out of here i got my money in my truck <laughs> Also, why did that guy inflate and explode? I don't know. <laughs> like, he inflates himself to get stronger earlier in the movie, and I guess, yeah. like, that, that that's always, like, puzzled me. I th- The best explanation I can come up with is that, okay, so his boss, his, his BFF, his friend and mentor, David Lopin, has just died. Right. And so he's like, fuck this, I'm going to self-destruct and take you all with me. Yeah, I guess. But, but he overinflates really himself until he explodes, and it's very funny. It is very funny. It's uh, I, I don't. The I don't... Storm Lord sort of, with the exception of Wind, because like Wang has like a a, a really long sword fight uh, with Wind, but like Thunder and Lightning really get taken out very unceremoniously. Yeah, I forget how <laughs> they so drop how a statue they... on Lightning. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, that was great. He's floating up through the hole, and they just <laughs> the the shopkeeper from Tremors is like, "Here, hold this, hold this winch for a second. and he just pushes a statue over, and it lands on the guy's head, and he explodes. Incredible! It's like really, these guys were bulletproof earlier. Yeah, the ending is a real squirrel shit. And again, it, it, I think part of it is like the movie has earned the fact of like, yeah, fuck it, because <laughs> like things just. 
once the hallway, once the meatball shows up, and it, and it, and it's just like, what what are we doing? Yeah, um, well, it's it, and it's the the iconic reaction shot of Kurt Russell being like, oh, what the hell is that? Don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> And that thing's just there. It's there. Uh, it's just like it, it floats away, and then later in the movie, it's just kind of sitting there looking at him. And then Wang stabs it in the head, and it gets like this sad look on his face. Ah, it's like, ah. yeah. like, oh no, they stabbed the little beholder. The little guy. The he little didn't guy. deserve it. He was just some eyes. He's just he's an just eyeball some, guy. He's, an he's, eyeball just, he's just eyeballing yeah. things. Yeah, that's like man. This movie is. He can't even. He doesn't have hands. Like, he can't hold a gun. He's not a threat. <laughs> it's sort of like. Uh, John Carpenter, I, I firmly believe that all the Jack Burton stuff is like, he had intent there. But I do think there's there's a side of John Carpenter who just can't, can't help himself. Yeah. And is like, I, like, like, again, going back to They Live in that fight, where it's like, the most I've heard about that was John Carpenter being like, well, he, you know, he was a wrestler, so I wanted to give him like a big fight scene. <laughs> and like, that seemed like a fun idea. And it's like, so that's it, huh? You just like, we're just like, yeah, this is, uh, let's do this. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. Um, uh, but like, there is an element in that where like, he's also kind of a clown, that character, right? Rolling down that hill for five minutes. Uh, he, just and it's get, like, yeah, he just gets knocked out of a house and falls down the Hollywood Hills. It's very funny. Yeah, I think what it is that John Carpenter realizes that like, when he looks at films, he's like, listen, it's all make-believe. And the point is to just entertain people. Like he is, he thinks like a B movie director to me, but he's so much more talented right. that it works in this weird way where he's like, why not have it? All right. This is a fantasy. Like, or like, like it feels like this escalation of like, eh, let's make them like wizards and shit. And if they're wizards, like we can put like creatures in the sewers. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, like that idea of like, yeah, why not? It's something to look at. It's, it's, it's part of making this an entertaining film and making it memorable is like, it doesn't have to necessarily mean anything beyond like, yeah, we let's make a little meatball. And I think, I think he just <laughs> likes to take the piss out of, um, American, um, sacred cows, I guess is what you would call it. Like, uh, yeah. uh these, this iconography, like you pointed out, like in they live Roddy Piper is still cool. And he's like this, the hero or whatever, but he, he, he gets clowned a lot in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And I would argue that's actually a sign of a good, because look at Indiana Jones, yeah. which is obviously a lot less, uh, squ- squirrel well, shit that, than that's, this. That's, but like, that's just good movie making. You want the hero to be the underdog all the time. So you had, yeah, you also, but there's also the feeling of like, we can have a laugh at his expense. Indiana Jones can be whacked with a mirror. Yeah, you know he can be in like, over his head all the time and yeah, not know he exactly be, what he's doing. That that that's what makes him endearing. Yeah, he can be kind of a dipshit, and and that's that's the thing that he's playing with here is like, and in They Live, which is like, the character is kind of a dipshit. Uh, what are you going to do about it? People aren't perfect. Yeah. Um, but he's clearly saying something here where it's like, he's a dipshit, but also like the people around him are clearly way more fucking um capable uh capable than him yeah yeah and that he's definitely making a note of that yeah it's just, uh, the first scene where they just sort of quietly reveal that wang is this incredible martial artist and nobody draws yeah. attention to it <laughs> yeah and it's like wait really this yeah. guy, it's like this guy fucking kicks ass where did yeah, this come like from a- part where he beats up everything before everyone before like kurt russell can yeah get involved right yeah, yeah he shows up in the room and everybody's knocked out yeah uh and and yeah it's a it's a great detail 
And so, like, it's not that he wants us to hate Kurt Russell. No. It's just that he's it, it, he's just making a fucking just, joke of it all, where right. it's like, the, these movies always start with, like, an everyman who becomes an action hero, and he's basically saying, like, no, he's a truck driver. Yeah, he's just kind <laughs> like, of a, he's kind of a clown. He's really, he's he's overconfident, and as we, yeah. as we, it, that's the only trait we really see of him because we're introduced to him he's really overconfident on his cb radio he's talking you're listening to the pork chop express i'm gonna tell you all of my thoughts about life and philosophy and it's like you know he'd have a podcast now um and then yeah, we, see, we see him like he's really good at, he's a really good gambler like he, he's good at gambling um but then like when Which they is perfect because it's luck based right he's just very lucky so when yeah they, when they actually get into the shit, he's still like super overconfident, but he actually doesn't have much ability. <laughs> so right, you could argue it's about there's a there's a uh, he's comparing the idea of people who were born into privilege versus people who had to earn it. Yeah, but I wouldn't say Jack Burton is that privileged. No, he's, he's not privileged. He's privileged he's in that not, he's a white guy, but like he's a truck driver. He's not like you know he's, he's not, not like he's not, rich. He's not living in a mansion. Yeah, exactly. But there's a there's a version of that. He's a blue where it's collar like guy. The idea where he expects everything to kind of work out for yeah, him, and just, it does. He just expects things to work out because they always do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and his his aspirations are only ever I want to get my truck back, and I want to get my thousand bucks that Wang owes me for that bet, and that's every, yep. that's it. That is that's that it. is as high as he sets his sights. That's There's the this big part. fantastical I... adventure going on around him. He's just like, nope, I want my truck. I want my thousand bucks. Yeah, that's a big part of it, is that he is incurious, and he's supposed yeah. to be, which is like, that. that's a big part of the fantasy, where it's like, he doesn't care about any of this stuff that's, uh, that's obviously bigger than him. They're dealing with thousands of years, immortality, mm-hmm. like these, these ceremonies where, like this ghost spirit shit and sorcery, and Jack Burton is... Yeah, he's inserted himself into it, and somehow he's the main character of it. Yep. And that is part of the point, is like, he has no business. He doesn't deserve to be the main character of this movie. Uh, and that, and they make it very clear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, uh, and so going back to the opening, uh-huh. maybe that's part of what he's trying to say there. Cause it's like that conversation is like, tell me about Jack Burton. Yeah. And he's kind of like, let me tell you about fucking magic, dude. <laughs> like, that's like the lawyer is asking the wrong question, essentially. Yeah. Um, like it's again, like people asking about like, this is all about Jack and it's like, uh, not even close, but, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Maybe. Great movie. Maybe it's hard to tell. Again, it's hard to tell what John Carpenter, right. It's, it's uh, because there's so much that's clear and right. And then there's other things that still serve the same theme, but it's, it's less clear that they're done on purpose but whether they were done on purpose or or not they all hang together to make quite a fun statement on movies on american movies yeah like the guy exploding where it's like you could try to find some like artistic reason he did that but more likely than not he was like i thought that was a neat idea yeah just wanted to see him explode it's a cool effect yeah and we sort of set it up he inflates a little earlier yeah uh i guess he's like ch- he's charging himself up and he gets, well, he inflates like, himself and he gets hand. stronger when when he does it but at the end he just blows himself up like a balloon <laughs> for no, yeah, that guy no was, reason <laughs> that guy is a weird guy yeah. he's got like all the teeth you know he did he he's has got like teeth. he's he's like one of those guys where i'm like i want him in way more movies because yeah. he's got this like sinister look about him that's just natural mm-hmm. uh to him 
and like i don't know i didn't look him up but i want i want to see him in more things i bet i'm sure he's in tons of things yeah probably yeah uh any other thoughts about this movie oh i had i had just one more thought it's a small thing and it's part of the they don't make movies like they used to it's just that watching this movie it's the set design is fucking amazing and it's everything from like chinatown feels like messy and like there's like a there's like a messy and grittiness to it that i don't feel like you see in movies anymore all the way to like this fantasy and this cleanness to some of the the sets um and it's just I think this is one of those movies where we don't think about it for its set design and it's so good. So good. Uh, that's all. Yeah. It really, I, I, I really like it. I like the sort of kind of grungy, um, fantasy look, modern fantasy look that this movie has. I like existing in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a little rainy and a little cozy at times. And like, in like, again, surreal. It's like, it's like a fun dream. Like it's not a nightmare. It's like an, it's like a weird dream you'd have. Uh, and I don't know. That's, this is one of those movies that it's like, I would want to have this on in the background a lot, you know? Yeah. 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 I feel that. It's good. Good movie. If you haven't seen it, you know, you should probably yeah. you should probably watch it. Throw that shit on and watch it. Yeah. Oh, and the cinematography is Dean Cundy, right? We just sorry, I just noted that guy. He's the cinematography of Jurassic Park. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 Good for him. Yeah. Good for good uh, for Dean Cundy. Yeah. Good for yeah. Good for old Cundy. Um. All right. I guess I guess I have nothing more to say about this. I was just I was starting to look up who made it. And I will say, it's like the set decorator of Apocalypse Now and The Godfather. Like, it's like, okay, these are top-notch people. Yeah, these are the um, very skilled people. Yeah, and you could tell. You can tell watching it. Uh, it's a, it's, uh, a beautiful movie. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, anything else? Uh, no. All right. Well, thank you, Vincent. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for letting me watch this movie again because I hadn't seen it in a while yeah and uh vincent did this through our patreon so you can go to patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed for just five dollars a month you get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts such as tom and jeff watch batman self-explanatory fox Mulder is a maniac also self-explanatory uh, we do we do stuff with the small beans like Star Trek: The Next Futurama and Spiel Boys. We have all sorts of podcasts on there that you can't get anywhere else, and it's just for five dollars a month. It's so much entertainment for so little, so yeah, little five measly dollars. But it means a lot to us. Yes. There's also a tier where you can watch movies with us every every Friday night. There's um, I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff on there. So give it a look, see. Yeah, we also have a store. Head over to GamefullyUnemployed.com where you can find a link to our Teespring store where you have all kinds of cool original artwork and designs. You can get on t-shirts, mugs, stickers, posters, all sorts of things. So slap your little beholder peepers onto that. Right. Throw, throw, oh, your, little, final, throw your little eyeball guys that way. Yeah. Final thing. John Carpenter, he has a font, doesn't he? I don't know why that didn't occur to me. Oh, does he? His titles. It's always the same he fucking does. font. He does, Yes. Yeah. yeah, I love that Carpenter has his own font. More filmmakers should do that. Yeah. Just like... So you know it's a, it's I, I, a like, Carpenter joint. 
Yeah, where it's like, it, it, this is a historical epic. Still my font. Still my Comic Sans font. You know me from my Comic Sans. <laughs> I'm Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Man, uh, what, what if he did that? Oh, it'd what be if so all good. Spielberg's titles were in Comic Sans? It'd be, it'd be such a great flex where he's like, listen, my movies are amazing, uh, except for the Comic Sans. And guess what? Not going away.